Hello. Howdy. Hey, how you doing? Doing good, how are you? Good, thank you. You thought I was someone different for a minute, didn't you? Whatever. Uh, welcome to Cold Brew Calls. This is the show where I sip on cold brew and talk to strangers from all over the globe, scour WordPress for blogs I'm interested in, drop them a line and say, hey, you want to talk on the phone about your shit? You can find Cold Brew Calls on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. So go ahead, follow, subscribe. And check out the blog, which is mainly just the episodes, a little bit of my writing, but I haven't been really keeping up on that, you know, 2020 and shit, what up, failing resolutions, uh, but that's at coldbrewcalls.wordpress.com, and also on Twitter, and that's fucking fun, at coldbrewcalls. So thanks for listening, thanks for sharing. Uh, this week, that voice you heard at the beginning, that was K. I've talked to a V, now a K, shout out to the alphabet. Uh, but he runs a movie blog, kathemovies.wordpress.com. Got a lot of good content there. And he's a really good film critic. Like, um, it's it's fun. He's got a great sense of humor. And he, uh, I think he dissects films fairly. It doesn't come across as, like, snobbish or pretentious, you know, because sometimes it is weird, like, critiquing things that you don't do. But his are tasteful. Uh, lots of different movies he's reviewed. He talks about... Uh, he brings one up that I still haven't seen since we recorded this, um, but it's at the top of my list, and it's hilarious that it has made his top 10 list of the decade, <laughs> which you'll hear that, no spoilers, but we both made our top 10 movies of the decade list. A pretty ambitious task, yes. I'm pretty happy with mine. Uh, his was good. The cool thing was is that uh, we did not share any of the same movies on either of our lists. Did I say that right? You know what I mean. But yeah, so you'll get 20 different movies to check out if you haven't seen them. It was a great conversation. I took my first bathroom break in the middle of it. And uh, so yeah, that was super professional. And it was funny when I came back or when I was listening to this, editing it, uh, he was talking into the mic as I was taking a piss. And he was he said something along the lines of like, yeah, if I had anything funny to say, I'd say it. And he didn't, so I didn't keep it. <laughs> but he was a funny guy otherwise. So, um, Shout out to Kay doing the, doing the clever shit, giving me hidden messages. Uh, how you doing out there? Good? You sipping on your cold brew or coffee or tea or whatever gets you going? I have had two this morning. I'm on my second one, actually. So I don't know if you can tell that. I'm a little sillier, a little hyper-er this morning. Um I am about to get an electronic drum kit, which I'm super excited about. I was in a band back in Oregon for like eight years as a little drummer. Um, or I guess a mid-sized drummer. I'm six feet tall. That's average, right? A little above. What up? Uh, so music's always been a cool thing. And in this pursuit of trying to be creative, you know, serving tables and allowing myself time to do do shit that I actually love to do. Uh, music is also a big part of that. And so doing these podcasts, trying to write, and I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get, get, get back on the drums and with an electronic one, at least, you know, I could play without, um, killing the ears of those nearby roommates, 
neighbors etc period um i don't know why i just told you that probably just to brag that i'm a drummer i just want i'm just trying to impress you that's all i'm really trying to do but you know who impressed me check out this segue k at the movies and his top 10 list specifically um like i said at the beginning we made our top 10 lists of the decade so without further ado here is k at the movies enjoy transition I know it's definitely a little surreal um, because I think when you first reached out to me, I didn't know if you had like a episode out, but uh, I did end up checking out some of your other conversations. Uh, oh, you cool! Did one with like V and uh, some of the other like writers and stuff. And yeah, I'm I'm a fan. Hey, I, thank I think you. You have a great program here. Thanks. I think it's a good thing for the WordPress community to have a pod like a podcast like featuring other people so yeah. I, I respect what you do well i appreciate that yeah it's been fun so far and it's and people have been really mm-hmm. receptive too like because it is weird when you just reach out to them you know it's the same way i reached <laughs> out with you like hey you want to yeah. you want to talk and now it's nice that i have stuff out you know so at least you like if you're skeptical mm-hmm. you can go listen to it but um but yeah everybody's been super receptive so far so yeah that's cool yeah, so with uh, what got you into doing film criticism? Are you just like not just been into movies from a young age, or? Um, yeah, I mean, if we're being honest, I probably grew up more of a sports guy. Um, yeah, I saw your little like Adam big, Schefter shout out. I'm a I'm a big sports person too, so I saw that. I was like, oh, I think I'm gonna get along with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you even kind of remind me. I don't know if you'll get the reference, but uh, you kind of got like a Pat McAfee personality. Oh, that kind of vibe with it. Yeah, Pat McAfee. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, like he, well he's hilarious i think he's much better than i am but i do like <laughs> Pat Mac- mcafee retired at like 28 years old and he's just mm-hmm. like living life everyone's retiring at 28 now yeah i saw that yeah. too with the Weekly. yeah i know times are changing in football but you know more power to him because it's i love yeah. it but it's certainly violent mm-hmm. that'd be funny if this just turns into a football podcast <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't mind right yeah i guess to end it back around i guess um Part of it is just liking narrative and creative outlets. So I, I guess I did get into like movies a lot of the other days. Like what else do you do? Like on a, on a weekend, yeah. you go see some movies. No, absolutely. And you know, being in like English and stuff. And then basically I just got to college and then everyone seemed to have like their own little like side projects and stuff. I, uh, you know, you see on YouTube, there's a lot of great like film critics and reviewers who make like more of that like fun, creative sort of like film criticism. Right. And I just thought, like, hey, let's, you know, try to do our own and keep it fun, keep it analytical. Like, yeah. Gets, yeah. So um, what are your, some of your, just to get a little background, what kind of movies? I saw you that you're into anime, and so I apologize in advance. That's, like, one genre I've never gotten into, not because I don't like it. I'm just unfamiliar with it. Oh, I'm definitely, as as you see in my list, I'm pretty diverse yes, um, when it comes to my appreciation for film. Um, I definitely like suspense thrillers. I'm definitely following uh, like the Oscars and stuff. Yeah, uh, doing a bad job of that this year. <laughs> I know. I, I always feel it's see. just a rush. I, I, I try to watch everything mm-hmm. nominated, and it's usually just like right up to the last part. But like within the last few years, I've definitely seen like most, but you know, like uh, it's they're harder to get around to mm-hmm. anymore. It feels like I, I've kind of just accepted the fact that I'll see them after the after the fact. Yeah. Um, like after the Oscars pass and then, you know, they're all DVD rentals and then see like, oh, did this person deserve instead of like making your own like pre-existing 
Yeah, like and they picks. come out they come out so fast now too. Like I remember when I was younger, you oh. know, you'd wait like a year for it to come out of the theaters and now it's like in the theaters and it's on digital, you know, like a few weeks after mm-hmm. in some cases. And so it's Oh uh, yeah. And it's a lot of, and we all watch from like our computers now or from at home, so it's just That's like true. you know, waiting for it to come out and it's easier to say that now where I'm like, Oh yeah, mm-hmm. no, that'll be out in a few weeks, I'll just catch it then. Definitely. What were some movies this year that you really liked? This year, um, as we'll, we'll maybe get a little bit more into the top ten list. Sure. Um, but I saw all the wrong movies this year. <laughs> <laughs> you did, you? Um, I saw Rise of Skywalker, Frozen, like just things I wasn't that big of a fan of. Um, but to give some shout outs, as I will um, maybe elaborate on. Okay. Um, Marriage Story was great. I just saw that recently. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I thought it was great at like being a throwback to a different time. Yeah, kept yeah. It fun. Yeah, and we'll get into this at the top 10 because I'm interested to see if anything from this year makes it. But I'm a huge Tarantino yeah. fan, and that was that's one of my favorite movies of mm-hmm. this year. I really liked. Yeah, I've, I'm interested to see how it fares at the, the Oscars. I know. I, yeah, the, a few places I've read, like it seems like it might be the favorite to get Best Picture. Yeah, I think it has one of the most nominations. I think mm-hmm. Joker's number one, but yeah. it's also up there. It It's one where it depends on how people play with it, because, I mean, there's so many controversial things that you could pick apart that movie, but yes. Hollywood loves Hollywood, so... Well, that's the thing. Like, I, I think that's what it has going for it, is that it is... They really do love Hollywood, and this is like a... You know, mm-hmm. it's, a it's a love letter to it, but through the, yeah. the lens of Tarantino, which is a pretty cool... Because like, with the Tarantino movie, I thought it was like his most like touching and feel good movie, you know, out of anything that he's done before. I thought it was like really, oh, yeah, really sweet, and I felt like when I first saw it, I would describe it to people that way. I was like, it sounds weird to say this about a Tarantino movie, but yeah. it's like very, mm-hmm. it's got a lot of heart, you know. Oh yeah, no, especially with like the Leonardo uh, DiCaprio character. Yeah, yeah, and also he... Brad Pitt's character <laughs> and his like sort of redemption and their like bromance. It's definitely. Yeah, it was really into the third act a little bit. Right, right. Yeah, it was cool to see those two together too, as especially in that dynamic. You know, like oh, a yeah. stunt uh, aging actor kind of washed mm-hmm. up, and then his stunt double. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of Joker? Joker. Um, I I have not seen Joker. Oh, really? I'm start to finish. Yeah. I have seen uh, clips of it here and there. I feel like I kind of get the gist. It's. Um, a little bit of King of Comedy, a little bit of uh, Taxi Driver. Yeah, I, I think uh, Joaquin Phoenix gives a great performance from what I've seen. I might be a little overhyped, but it's at least trying something. So yeah, there's something there. Yeah, and that was it was uh, like I definitely thought about it a lot afterwards, and I still don't know how I feel about it. Like mm-hmm. I'm a huge Batman fan in general. The Joker okay, specifically yeah. is like one of my favorite fictional characters. And I've loved like all interpret well mostly all interpretations of him, <laughs> but yeah, Joaquin Phoenix's performance is great, and I thought it was like an interesting, uh, yeah, you know, interpretation of it. Um, but as far as like the whole movie, like I did like it, I thought about it, so I think that's worth something. But I still don't know. It's like, do do I love this movie? Do I not? And I'm not sure about it. But uh, his performance, mm-hmm. I think, is definitely worth paying money to go see. Yeah, I have no qualms with uh, him getting that best actor nomination. Right, and I think he probably. I'd be surprised if he if he didn't. Um, I haven't seen. You mentioned Marriage Story, and because I, I think Adam Driver is 
um, going to be a favorite too for the Oscar. But I, my roommate saw it and he was telling me how good it was. And uh, then mm-hmm. it looks really good. I just don't know if I've been in the mood because I think it's pretty heavy or it looks pretty heavy. So <laughs> I shouldn't know. Sometimes I have yeah, to be in a certain got, mood. A yeah, I have to be in mm-hmm. a certain mood to like sit down and watch that. So that's one of your favorite yeah, movies this year? Yeah, I'd say so. What other ones do you see? Oh, what, yeah, so you said Rise of Skywalker. What did you think of that? Rise. Uh, it's a mess. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a mess. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know if you have to even elaborate further than that. Yeah, I yeah. feel like everyone's gotten their opinion on Star Wars, and that's part of the problem is Disney's just trying to take what everyone wants and put it into one two-hour experience. Yeah, and it was so obvious in this one especially. It was just like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just super pandering, and it was. And what was funny was how they rushed this last trilogy. It was like no one even asked for it in the first place, you know. And then they're like, yeah. "We're gonna tie all this up," and then, I mean, they just like made shit mm-hmm. up to tie it all together. And it was like apparently, you know, Palpatine can just just has kids and grandkids floating around. Oh yeah, know? of course. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> yeah, you can't really think about how he lived for thirty years, getting hooked up to a life support machine and his millions of minions that we've never seen before were feeding him grapes this whole time or I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was a super, uh, super big mess. The one thing I liked about it and the only thing I think I liked about the new trilogy was Adam Driver though. And I think that's just because he's such a good actor, but like that character actually had an arc. Mm-hmm. It was actually more than one dimension. And I liked, I enjoyed watching him when he was on screen. I liked Kylo Ren because of him. Oh yeah, no, they definitely, um, he's definitely a good actor. He's definitely elevating, uh, the script they give him. Yeah. Yeah. He was uh, giving it his all, bless his heart for, <laughs> for mm-hmm. that movie. <laughs> what are some of your favorite movies of all time? Favorite movies of all time. Um, I always love the favorite, uh, cinema questions just cause I, I'm very consistent and I don't like pinpointing awesome. and defining one. I like it. Um, as as much as this is a, a simple answer, I am one of the defenders of Citizen Kane. Okay. Like, I don't know if I love it personally, but I think it's one of those... It has one of the best frame narrative structures. I think the cinematic tools and the editing have progressed cinema in a way. I think it's one of the best at, a, like, a plot twist ending. Oh, yeah. I think it's near a perfect executed movie that I have no qualms with the AFI or whatever. Because that's um, number one. Number AFI, one. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. So I saw, like, when I got into my movie, when I became a movie nerd was, like, in high school, and I went down AFI's list, and that's when I watched, like, oh, yeah. all the older movies and everything. And I saw that. I saw mm-hmm. Citizen Kane when I was, like, I think 15 or 16. But th- that movie did mm-hmm. blow me away. It certainly still holds up. And it it felt like it was way ahead of its time just because it didn't feel like an old movie. Like the structure, the editing, like you said, like it was just yeah. so, so well mm-hmm. done. And I think it still holds up. So, yeah, I would defend that as well. I think it's a great movie. What else What else do you like? I, I, I love uh, The Revenant. I think Alejandro Iratu is uh, doing some very inventive stuff with that as well as Birdman. Yeah, um, just really crafting like the cinematography as gorgeous, as well as uh, telling very interesting like stories of like inner conflict, right? And really getting like some some grittiness uh, to the film. Yeah, like, maybe it's pretentious, but no, 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 not at all. Like I like that one take stuff too, because like 
And especially yeah. that, that opening scene in Revenant. I had never seen anything like that before. It was, oh, yeah. it was almost, I remember I watched that with like, I think it was like six or seven different people. We watched on a couch and we all said, commented out, it felt like a sporting event. Like you were watching some sport because oh, yeah. you were so like on the edge of your seat, especially that beginning. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, I guess the whole movie, it's so intense because he just, it's Leo just getting his ass kicked for two hours, you know? And it was just like one oh, thing, yeah. one situation after another, after another. Mm-hmm. And I was like a white knuckle experience. Oh, yeah. All right. So what do you think? You want to dive in to the top 10 of the decade? Do you want to talk a little bit about your methodology? Like, yeah. how did you uh, come to make, make your list? Yeah. Like, how so, did you? So at first I was going... I was just trying to like think of movies off the top of my head, you know, and just of like, okay, mm-hmm. what did I see? And then I would look it up to make sure it was in <laughs> in that decade. Um, but I was, I guess in general, this is how I kind of go for movies, but mm-hmm. um, like th- how much I thought about it, how much did it make me think afterwards? Uh, how rewatchable is it? And I, that's always a big one for me because I think some of the movies I've seen that I think are like the best I've only seen a couple times, but there's movies that oh, yeah. I'll keep rewatching over and over. And so that I think pulls a lot of weight and yeah. So it was pretty much the rewatch, how much I thought about it and then like how much fun I had while watching it. And then once I started getting this list, I just started to kind of try to go like, do I like this better than that? Mm. And so it's, <laughs> I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how concrete this methodology is. Yeah. But and like I said, it's like I've been like then I'm looking at the ones I left out and I'm like, man, I'm, you can make a case for all of them, I think. But mm. so that was kind of mine. What about you? Um, I did a little differently um, okay. intentionally, I guess. Um, again, because I hate saying, oh, this is the best movie of right. the past 10 years. Right. Um, I using Letterbox, which is like a social media app for like ranking and like starring movies. Okay. Um, They have it where you can filter and you can just see them like year by year. Oh, nice. So I have a representative for each year in the decade. Nice. Um, And then I get to each year. I can also throw in a couple other names of other things I like, just in case you want to latch on to some of those other conversations. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's great. And I also highlighted one movie that I did not get to exposing myself as being a terrible film watcher oh, yeah, yeah. so which one i find like the most interesting or could be on the list if i had actually seen it oh i like that yeah no i'll definitely i'm sure i'll expose myself a few times yeah. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not a good film watcher but yeah and that was the other thing with the list too is that i'm not necessarily going what i think the best were i do take that oh, into yeah. consideration in which it's early on my list i actually it'll be the first one i say is i'm actually I think the only reason I put it on there is because of like the impact it had. But for the most part, okay. I was trying to do more a personalized list of like my favorite movies of the decade. Yes, I am recommending things, and I'm sure my list will be making me look both like a pretentious jerk <laughs> and a total weenie. So yeah. <laughs> it's the best of both worlds. All right. Well, do you want to do the honors then with number ten? <laughs> All right. Um, my number 10 is my, uh, 2011 representative. Okay. And I went with love on a leash. Okay. I have not seen that. I, I'm sure you haven't. Um, <laughs> love on a leash is the best comedy of the decade. Oh, and who's in it? Like what? Tell me about love on a leash. Let me, I guess I could pull it um, up too. 
Love on a Leash is a indie project, um, and it features the romance between um, this one girl whose favorite color is the color green. Okay. And she is swooned away by uh, her dog. <laughs> nice. Um, I almost can't tell you much of the plot just because there are so many twists and turns that it is just something you just have to see. Okay, well, I'm definitely going to go. Yeah, I have a notepad, too, that I'm going to write down because mm-hmm. I, was, I was almost positive there was going to be a few, if not all, <laughs> that were not only different, but probably movies I hadn't seen yet either. Oh, yeah. This this might seem like an odd pick, but it does have a 9.4 out of 10 on IMDb. Yeah, I'm looking at that so right fun. now. Yeah, 9.4, 2011. Mm-hmm. That is That's interesting because the I have I think I have one movie. Let me see. I have one movie from 2011 that's also a comedy that I think is the best comedy of the decade. Which, but I'll get to it's up on my list, so that's funny. All right, all right. So I guess uh, I, I was just gonna say uh, other mentionable yes. 2011 movies. I had a separation, which is um, an Iran film. Okay, about like a divorce. It's pretty much just marriage story. I was gonna say that sounds like marriage story, huh? Yeah, pr- pretty much. Um, I also want to give a shout out to Source Code. Oh yeah, like Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> yeah, I've seen Source Code. Going on the train in the future. I like that. Yeah, the my pick for movie that I didn't see, but I probably would love is a uh, Drive, uh, mm. directed by uh, Refn, uh, starring uh, Ryan Gosling. Spoiler alert: that is on my list. Oh okay. Yeah, <laughs> I love. Yeah, I, I love that one. Wait to see what you have to say about yeah. it. Yeah. All right, well, here's my number 10. It's from 2012, and this is the one where I still don't even know if I like it in my top 10 because, well, I'll just go ahead and say it, and then I'll start explaining myself. But number 10, I put Inception, Christopher Nolan. Oh, okay. Yeah, and here's the thing. So Dark Knight is one of my favorite movies of all time. I appreciate Christopher Nolan, and I still can't decide if it was just out of spite, but, you know, Inception had so much hype. It was this event and I, mm-hmm. I just remember thinking, I was like, man, I'm not into this as as much as everybody else is. And I recently rewatched it just a few days ago to see if I should put it on the list because I, I felt silly leaving off such a big movie. And so the only oh, reason yeah. I'm putting on it, and like how you said, it, being a weenie, I think I might be <laughs> a weenie <laughs> right off the bat. But it was, and I do remember when it did when it came out, it kind of solidified Nolan as this like, himself as an event you know like it's a movie that's original oh, definitely and just from his name you know every it was like hysteria you know, like everybody was just like super into wanting yeah, to see you know. this super excited and so like mm-hmm. that was i think that's why i put it in just to like to kind of recognize mm-hmm. it you know and say yeah and when i did rewatch it i was trying to watch it like super closely too just to like any excuse i could get to put it in there and i did like right. it yeah. And and I remember it was I was still just as confused as ever though it's a hard one to follow, um, but then I thought with like the ending which is like always still up for debate, I kind of like just thought uh, the ending doesn't really matter as far as if he was dreaming mm-hmm. or not and I and I yeah. thought it was like that kind of kind of had that feel good ending where he just didn't care anymore and was with his family oh, yeah, and I was true. like oh well that's that's <laughs> sweet and so I used that as justification to nudge it up on the list. Oh yeah, no. Uh, I mean, that one 
like score stinger is maybe one of the most recognizable of uh, the decade. Yeah. And it's uh, definitely one film that I would say, I think the, the 2010 through like the 2019 decade probably will most be remembered for the, the technological like leap. Right. It's like in the early 2000s, like we got introduced to CGI and we made some pretty ugly things. But now it's like starting to look realistic, or we're starting to do more like surreal effects with it. And I think yeah. the whole like uh, it, Inception, yeah, it did like um. Well, yeah, that was another thing too. And I was just thinking when people look back at the decade, it's, I'm sure it's going to make a uh, lot yeah. of lists. But it's just as far as like what it represented. And when I did rewatch it just recently, mm-hmm. like it still looked cool. You know, there were still things you hadn't really seen before, and it had this distinct look, that distinct Nolan look to it, and. So I was like, yeah, all right, but that's my that's my weenie pick, and I think from here on out, they're all ones that I think uh, are personal now. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So number nine for you. Number nine, number nine is my 2010 represent representation. Okay. Um, the movies I I chose this movie over. Um, I think Tangles fine for like a a Disney film. Yeah. Uh, Black Swan also is pretty interesting. Darren Aronofsky and uh, Natalie oh, yeah. Portman. Uh, Shutter Island. I don't know if I've seen from start to finish, but that that's also another one that is very interesting, at least in how it's presented. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movie I haven't seen, which might have made the list that I'm sure will disappoint some people, is uh, The Social Network. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's on my list too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I have two for two on yeah. uh, my most want list being on your list. So yeah, that's, very that's hilarious. Yeah, that's good. So what? Wait. So what was right. the one you put as number nine, though? What was your number nine? But the one I put at number nine is the disappearance of Harui Suzumiya. Oh, damn. All right. Tell me about this. Um, I'm sure uh, maybe you and a lot of other people listening have not seen this one. No. Um, except for my anime fans. Um, uh, this one, to put in perspective to for, to a story you do know, okay, you know it's it's a wonderful life. Yeah, I do. Um, this one plays around with like the the story of it's a wonderful life, but I don't know if you would agree. But like when you see parodies or like other stories trying to do like the it's a wonderful life like a story, it's always the most like untrying like kind of you know, like sleep through mm-hmm. just like doing it done. This one takes that story and it takes it into this interesting like route of being this like uh, with like a sci-fi twist. And it's more about like, um, like it's sort of a mystery okay. of like how things, it's almost like a man versus like cosmos or fate being stuck in this world of, of things not being how they should be and learning to appreciate what you had back back then. I think it's based off a series and I think it's one of the rare times a TV movie has elevated the source material. Oh wow. I definitely feel like you feel the like the futileness of fighting something you have no control over. Because sure. if you woke up the next day and like someone you your best friend disappeared, how do you go back to the way things were? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's um, almost like impossible, right? Yeah. And so it's it's the uh, journey of finding out how to do that? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. I'll have to check that out. Adding it to the list. All right. I like it. It's got a 
It's got a wonderful soundtrack. Um, I think it's gorgeously animated. It definitely looks like a 2015 film for being from 2010. Okay. I, I think it's a fun, it's a fun journey and I definitely think it deserves some credit on the list. All right. So number nine for me, I'm doing it. And this is, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's a weenie move, but I was trying to think, I was like, I don't know if 2019, if any movies make it on here and I'm just doing this out of bias but I'll tell yeah. you kind of how I got there. I'm doing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as my representation for Once 2019. All right. And I'm throwing it at right. number nine, and I'm doing it because I mm-hmm. don't care. No, I'm <laughs> so what I was doing when I was making my list, I was you know going through the big directors too, and I was and being that I love Tarantino, I'm like, well, mm-hmm. he had Hateful Eight, and that was immediately out because that's probably my least favorite of all of his movies. But then he had, oh, yeah. and then he had Django, and I was like, well, and initially I think I had Django in my top ten, Django Unchained. But then I was yeah. like, what, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I liked more. Like, I ranked the Tarantino movies after I saw that, and I think I have that third. Mm-hmm. I have Pulp Fiction and Glorious Bastards, and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And so just by that reason, I was like, well, if Django was in there, I like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood more, I'm going to throw it in there. And so that's what I'm throwing it at number nine. We kind of did discuss it, right. but I liked yeah. how it was sweet. I liked mm-hmm. with especially Brad Pitt, I think as good as Leonardo DiCaprio is in it. Yeah. Uh, Brad Pitt's character, like he, he, cause he's such a good character actor, but he's also like mm-hmm. a leading man. And I think this was like the perfect combination of both. And he pulls it off. And especially this far in his career now, it was like, it was really refreshing to see that he still had that in him, that kind of role in him, you know? And it was just, mm-hmm. I found myself every time he was on screen, just like smiling and pretty much throughout the whole movie. And uh, what I also liked about it was it was such a hangout movie, and I'm pretty partial to those, and it was like the plot really didn't matter as much, and it was, like, I liked it after, like, I watched it three times, and, like, the second Mm -hmm. and third time, I liked it a lot more because I wasn't, like, on the Mm -hmm. edge of my seat trying to, like, what's next? What's Tarantino going to do? It was just like, oh, I'm in this world, and I'm hanging out with these, these people for, like, three days in their lives. And so I just really appreciated that. I thought it was something kind of like new, refreshing, and like kind of an easy watch. Yeah, no. Uh, I like that you called it like a hangout movie. Yeah. Because there's definitely parts in the beginning where it does feel like American Graffiti or like right. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Or like Days like, Confused, just, like those kind of movies. Yeah. yeah. Where you're just hanging out and, the, mm-hmm. and, you know, just like what's going on in their lives. Like, I think the one thing that's going to make people think, like, think about it or maybe not like this film so much is the expectation that this is a a Manson murder mm-hmm. film right when it it's almost disconnected in a way yeah but I I see how it's the big crescendo in the end not to spoil anything but no and it is and that was actually one of my least like it was cool and it was kind of like the fairy tale ending but after seeing Inglorious Bastards, I remember when they announced this movie and it was like the, that the Manson murders were going to be kind of like a backdrop. I already felt like I knew it yeah. was coming at the end, like how he, as far as like he was going to like uh, re- yeah. reimagine history. So it was like, I wasn't really, I mean, I thought the end scene was, was comical more than anything. I thought it was funny, you know, as violent <laughs> and crazy as it was, but I thought it was so over the top that it was actually funny. But I remember just going like, oh, I kind of already saw that that kind of coming you know as far as mm-hmm. like redoing it and glorious bastards was just that's a whole nother level as far as you know killing hitler and shit and that was just like that blew my hair back because no one saw that coming so 
Um, but I see what you're saying. I think that could be, and I think that was probably the, the controversy that kind of surrounded it too, that might've rubbed some people the wrong way. Yes. All right. The controversy sells. Yes, it does. So, uh, number eight. At number eight, I decided to go with my 2012 representative. Mm-hmm. And I went with Moonrise Kingdom. Ooh, nice. I have seen this. Moonrise Kingdom is a movie I at some times say I don't even like. <laughs> um, I think Wes Anderson is definitely that quirky style. Yes. That's uh, some, something about it rubs me the wrong way. And I think his obsession with yellow just looks sickly at times. Yeah. But I definitely respect the craft in his movies. It's definitely his own style. It's definitely camp. I think it does have like a little bit of a heart to it. And I think it's the most well-made film that I have no qualms putting it over a 2012 year that I didn't really like anything I, I saw, at least when I searched uh, for it. I have, yeah, just Inception, I think, is the only movie I have for 2012. All right. And uh but yeah, no, I like how you say that with how you don't even know if you like it. I feel like <laughs> I feel like that with Wes Anderson in general. Like I like um, oh, yeah. I like I think I like all of his movies, but he annoys me too. And like I have to be in, <laughs> in the right mood because yeah. it does come it it comes across as like kind of pretentious sometimes and it's mm-hmm. just like so like over the top hipstery and like artsy yeah. fartsy, <laughs> but I do appreciate the craft. He's unflinchingly himself. You know, you know what you're getting from a Wes Anderson movie, but I do. Oh, yeah. That's funny. You mentioned that. Cause I've, I feel that way about all of his <laughs> movies where like, you know, it, it, depending on what night it is, I could be like, I'm turning this shit yeah. off. I can't even stand it. Other times I'm like, Oh, this is a beautiful movie. You know? Yeah. I like, I, I was trying to think of things, what else to put for 2012. And I, I have like on my maybe list, like life of pie, Oh yeah, great sometimes. Life of Pi wasn't too bad. No, not too bad. I I think I like more of like the book and like the story and the concept of it more than the actual film. Yeah, but it's definitely and it was an interesting like thought and, piece. And it looked cool too. I thought it was visually pretty cool. Oh, yeah. When I saw it, mm-hmm. I haven't went back and seen it since I saw it. Mm-hmm. What else did you have for 2012? Um, what else is on your list? Um, I put Sinister, but more in thinking of the first two thirds of Sinister. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I think Sinister is a great premise. I think Ethan Hawke's a great actor. I love I Ethan I think Hawk. they're experimenting with something fun there, um, but it just kind of falls off towards the end and derails into some silly nonsense. So, Yeah, well, I might as well bring it up now. There's a movie that I, I still might want to put it in my top 10, but right now it's the first one out. I have it at 11, but it's called, oh, it's it's called, the bubble. It's called Predestination. Have you ever seen that? I have not. Oh man, it is. And I think if I would have went back and rewatched this in time, I probably would have put it on for sure. But it's uh, Ethan Hawke is in it, and it's this. Okay. It's a time travel movie that's like it's got so many twists and turns that it's like convoluted. But it's still mm-hmm. like the big twist in the end. I don't know if I've ever had my hair blown back like that in a while. Certainly not this decade. And it was, uh, there's a, what's the act? Sarah Snook is the actress in it and she's incredible okay. in it, but I don't want to give too much away. It's just a time traveling movie. That's actually like really smart though, too. And it deals with identity. It's, uh, I guess kind of a love story too, but it's, it's, there's not a movie like it that I've seen probably ever, but it's really weird, really cool. So I'd recommend that it's 2014 predestination. And I just brought that up cause you said Ethan Hawke and he's incredible. Right? <laughs> Oh yeah, definitely. 
And then the only other movie I could think of for 2012, as I was doing things I haven't seen but looked interesting, um, I found this um, artsy film called Post Tenbras Lux. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Which it's it's a uh, I think it performed at the the Cannes Film Festival. Okay. Um, it seems like a very like sensory like story. Like I saw like the trailer for it, and it definitely seems like it's going for more like um, appealing to the senses mm. and not just like a, a visual medium, but trying to like use sound as like a soundscape to really like immerse yourself in the scene. There's something about like the duality of like good and evil. I, I don't know much about it, but it, it definitely did seem like an interesting project that maybe I will get to. Yeah. And they, I, I appreciate movies like that that are just going for the senses or make you just feel a certain way. And it's, you're not even, mm-hmm. not even worried about the story. So, I mean, I appreciate films like that too. Yeah, definitely. All right. So what are we on? Is it my, what was that? That was eight. That was my eight. That yeah. was your eight. So my eight is 2015 Sicario. Sicario. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yes, I have. Yeah. That one, I've probably rewatched this movie more than any of the movies on my list and specifically okay. just the border scene. But, uh, I like this movie. So I put it on here because mm-hmm. of just how many times I rewatched it. But, um, as dark as it is, as grim as it is, like, I still mm-hmm. think it's like an easy watch. Like I always find myself wanting to get through it especially because like if i'll just like look up the border scene and then i'll do that and i'm like oh man now i gotta watch it to the finish i think uh emily blunt is awesome in it i was actually surprised she didn't get nominated for anything bigger i think some of the smaller awards she got like best actress but uh nominations mm-hmm. but she was really good in that and then um oh, i'm go- uh, benicio del toro loved him as this uh, kind of like silent is he a cia guy whatever and I just thought it was like a really cool, um, I don't want to say feel good because it's not a feel good movie, but I feel <laughs> good watching it in a weird way. Like I just love okay, going back yeah. into that world every time I watch it. But I think that border scene is one of the most like intense scenes I've seen in the decade. And so that scene alone puts the movie on there. But um, from start to finish, I like that one. Definitely. Uh, just one thing about that film, uh because I know we've talked a little bit. So you're an Arizona guy. Yes. At least now you are. Yes. Um, the opening of that film. Chandler, um, Arizona. Chandler, Arizona. Yep. <laughs> that is not what Chandler, Arizona looks it's like. It's not, no. <laughs> I always think that's... No, it looks like a border town. It's probably filmed in, like, Mexico. Yeah, it does not look like Chandler, Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is funny. But yeah, no, I always catch that. When I every time I watch it, because it, and it does take like they mentioned Phoenix too, like they have the Phoenix Police and stuff. Oh yeah, there, you know, so it's, <laughs> you got that whole layer as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my hometown favorite, Sicario. <laughs> All right, yeah, uh, um, it's very interesting. It's like the big three, I believe. It was a uh, Villeneuve. Uh, Rob Sheridan and Roger Dinkins mm-hmm. all all worked on that. So of course it looks beautiful. It's well written. Yeah, you know it has solid direction. Right. It's yeah. Very well crafted. It is. Uh, yeah. One and, thing and I sc- oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh uh, no. Uh, did you have a point? Or... Oh, I was just gonna say in the score too, where it has that just that uh, that yeah. looming, which like mm-hmm. you know, it's just like that sense of dread the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's all I had. <laughs> so anyway, continue. Yeah. Uh, just the only thing is, I think Emily Blunt's a great actress, 
and I think she does a solid job. But I felt like part of the main like theme or like point of that narrative was someone who thinks they're tough, mm-hmm. kind of learning how tough and harsh the world can be. Right. And I I don't know if I bought her as what that character was supposed oh, really? to be. No, that's interesting because that's that's like the reason I liked it because that's okay, yeah. no, that's the same. I had the same exact observation, but there's like little things she does like with expressions because she like keeps getting mm-hmm. beat down. But I liked how she just kind of kept yeah. going forward, and um, I thought that was a major theme of like, oh yeah, this is way harsher of a reality yeah. than I expected. And mm-hmm. so I recognized that, but I liked how she kind of didn't like put it aside, but just kind of kept going through. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So I did like that, but that was an interesting point and I bought it, but I guess I could see how okay. you wouldn't. Cause I mean, it is Emily Blunt too, you know, it's Mary Poppins, you yeah. know, that's after, but <laughs> <laughs> it's true. All right. So number seven for you. Number seven for me is my 2019 representative. Ooh. Marriage Story. Nice. Um, I think it's one where they just let the actors uh, go at it, and they, you know, it's almost those scenes that are feel like like an acting class rehearsal, mm. where it's they give them the real good material and just see what you can get out of them. And I think both Driver and Johansson have really great performances. Again, I think this year was unfortunate that I didn't get to see some of the more interesting stuff because I'm sure the Lighthouse are Parasite could have easily taken this spot um but from what i've seen i have to go with marriage story i like it i know i still haven't seen um lighthouse or parasite uh parasite has got mm-hmm. is probably the top of my list of a mo- the next movie to see because it's just getting such an incredible buzz i think it's awesome that a foreign film is getting so much recognition here you know for like the oscar oh, yeah. buzz and everything um but mm-hmm. from yeah and i've had a couple of friends that have seen it and they said it was just like a really crazy good movie yeah, it's it's one of those where it almost like it's not linked to the year twenty nineteen. Like it feels like something that could have been made mm. like a a long time ago. It's just it's a universal theme. I think it's something where you learn a lot, like just the procedures of going through divorce, and it does a really good job of balancing like the empathetical like nature of it, mm-hmm. where you kind of see both sides of the story and how it. I know it lays both characters kind of evenly that you can make your own like opinions on them yeah no definitely yeah and with uh marriage story like i I said in the beginning i haven't seen it but do you ever watch those uh hollywood roundtables like on youtube yes yeah so i watched yeah i watched the director's one for this year and uh what's his face from marriage story noah uh bombach noah bombach yeah noah bombach yeah yeah i think that's how you pronounce it but yeah he was talking about Yeah, exactly your point because they were talking about I think the question or something was about how much room they give their actors and he was just saying how with that movie it was so intense how you'd have to take like breaks and kind of go get some air because he was saying how those two were just kind of just going at it and giving it their all and so I think if anything just to watch you know just two great performances sometimes I think that's uh, worth just watching a movie just for that definitely also shout out to the peanut butter falcon so oh, close. Yeah. I, I want to see that. It, I want. I like. Do you like Shia LaBeouf? Because I really like him. I I do. I've turned turned him. It was a little rough for those that's, like couple of years. I think that I think a lot of people because he didn't know camp. what was going through his head. Yeah, and then I think he just. I think he's got a lot going on. I think he's very cerebral, and I think we've kind of come 
like been on that journey with him and he seems to be on the other end of it and just kind of, you know, trying to figure it, figure it all out. But, um, and then that other one, what's it, the honey boy or whatever, like honey boy. Yeah. Just the, I mean, I haven't seen that yet, but the, the content Me of that, either. it's like, man, that's no fear to do that as a movie to play your abusive dad. You know, it's just like, holy shit, man. So I think if anything, it's more of like an appreciation of like this guy, he's doing it, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, number seven for me, 2014. And I think I have like three 2014 movies on here. But this one is... All right, I think that's a good year. Yeah, I do think it was a good year. This is Whiplash is my number seven. Uh, Miles Teller, that was my first time seeing him. I think probably a lot of people's. He was awesome. J.K. Simmons has just like an incredible performance. You want to beat him up the whole time. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) But that dynamic was just like... I don't know, it was just heartbreaking. And then I think what made that movie so good, as far as one of my favorite movies I've ever seen, was just that last, you know, however long that is. I think it's like a 20 or 12 minute scene, 12 to 20, I don't know, yeah. somewhere around there. But that whole last sequence, with just that look where he's like kind of smiling and there's like maybe a sense of approval or like did he just really bring this out of him by being a dick the whole time? And then it just cuts to black. And I was like, holy shit. I remember rewinding it right away. What what it ended, and I was like, "That's one of the best endings I've ever seen," and so like that that movie stuck with me for a while because of that. And I thought, talk about performances, I think that was just very character driven, and uh, I saw that a few times and liked it every time I saw it. Yeah, no, definitely, it's one of those films that definitely uses music to its advantage. Yeah, it's one of the acting performances. It's great. All right, number six for you. Number six, we're going to. 2018 Ooh, and i i have under the silver lake i see i never saw that never saw 2018 was a bad year for me as far as the movie i didn't think it was the greatest movie year but i didn't see a lot of movies that year either yeah at at first i thought 2018 was a bad year but then i saw um when i was looking through the list i saw into the spider verse i saw hereditary and i saw eighth grade and i was like oh under the Silver Lake has some competition. Yeah. Oh, shit. Into the Spider-Verse was 18, 2018. That might be one of my favorite comic book movies of all time. Oh, yeah. It's great. I didn't realize I that was 2018. Yeah, that was a great movie. <laughs> but yeah, Under the Silver no, I, Lake, that's with Andrew Garfield, right? Andrew Garfield, yes. Spider-Man. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember seeing the preview for it, and I thought it looked really good. I just missed it. So what do you like about Under that? Under the Silver Lake is this great journey that is sort of a homage to this underground internet culture um, and just of like conspiracies and mythology. And I don't know if you know what like an, like an ARG is. I don't think so. Um, an ARG is like, I guess they call it like an alternate reality game. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's just these, weird strange people on the internet sort of make these interactive games where they'll just post usually creepy nonsense and hope it gains enough attraction and they'll leave like codes and other different things so while under the silver lake isn't directly like directly referencing that it is sort of a love letter to like that underground um desire for something more spontaneous Mm. and interesting than what actually exists on the surface okay where we go digging for conspiracies and tabloid and drama 
and just getting sort of lost in that that adventure which is always interesting too and if i remember right from Mm -hmm. the preview like the kind of the basic premise is like a neighbor he's infatuated with just disappears one day and then he starts looking for her yes okay yeah no i remember thinking it looked really cool and like weird and i like weird is it weird Mm -hmm. oh it's it's definitely weird i think it's one of the probably the weirdest film of 2018 okay um I, oh yeah it's definitely weird <laughs> um but yeah if if you have any inclination for like supernatural oh yeah or just finding that stuff kind of fascinating right. more so um or any like conspiracy theory like nonsense it's great in the way it sort of betrays that and how it's like almost altering like the reality around him it's it's something special that it's disappointing how ill proceed it's been yeah no i'm gonna have to check that out the cool thing about this so far too is i got another good list going of movies i gotta watch oh yeah so i'll probably just call you back in two weeks and i'll have a whole new top 10 (laughs) all right so number six for me also 2014 is what we do in the shadows okay yeah i think this is my second comedy i think i only have two comedies on here so the first i've been saying have you seen this movie I have not, but I've heard quite a bit about it. Okay. Yeah, it was, and I haven't, I didn't get a chance to go revisit this before this conversation, but so I'm just going basically off of what I remember, and I just remember that I liked it a lot, and I thought it was really funny. It's that kind of mockumentary style, you know, talking to the camera, breaking the fourth wall, but it's just a unique take on vampires, werewolves, and uh, mm-hmm. and I'm a big fan of Jermaine Clement. Like he just makes me laugh by looking at him. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And so it's just it was one of the funnier movies uh, I'd seen in a long time, and it was uh, definitely original, you know. And and it was also I guess part of the back to the methodology was movies that especially these days, you know, you get a lot of hype and then you watch it. And you might mm-hmm. not like it as much because there was so much hype built up. This was a movie I never had heard of. I just saw it right. randomly. And then I was like, oh, man, I loved it. So I think that scores a lot of points just because of the, the surprise factor. you know. And I was like, man, this was, this was really not a disappointment. It was cool. Never heard anything. But it's just super funny. It's got like silly, cheeky kind of humor, which I'm partial to. Um, but it's like kind of it's still like really gothic too it has the whole vampire werewolf shit like i just said but so you get that element of it that supernatural kind of element even though it's a comedy and and i wanted to put it i have this and another comedy on here and i was like you know got to give it up for the laughs so that's the main reason when i was thinking of comedies i was like this is probably the funnier one of the funnier movies i'd seen of the decade yeah no i i definitely agree with what you're saying about the surprise element especially for comedy because uh trailers definitely ruin a lot of comedies oh, especially anymore having, yeah like put all the jokes in it and stuff and it's like man yeah mm-hmm. yeah I've, I've heard great things about into the shadows and just how it deals with that sort of like vampire uh kind of genre yeah, and it's an early role for, I can never, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I've heard it pronounced different ways, but the guy that does uh, Jojo Rabbit this year, take, what's it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, is it Takey uh, Wapiti? Like yeah, okay, that's, <laughs> I won't even try, but yeah, he's in it too, and you could tell that he's, like, that his sense of humor is kind of like that, that's how mm-hmm. the movie's sense of humor is too, and um yeah, so it's like an early, that was my kind of introduction to him, and I remember seeing his name. 
after that. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to check this out. Yeah. All it's right. no love on a leash. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's the top of my list that you've said so far. I got to check that out. 9.4 on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> and the way you sold it too. Very simple, but I, like, I'm intrigued. You'll, you'll never guess what's happening in that movie. That's all I can say. All right. Yeah. I know when you first said it, Love on a Leash, I was thinking it was some sort of like Disney movie or something. You know, it's just, I don't know what I was thinking, but mm-hmm. all right. Are you ready for the top five? I'm ready. Top five. I've definitely had a pretty interesting list as well as your, your actually good choices, but <laughs> no. I think, I think I mine think are more like five. just more kind of mainstreamy though, too. So I appreciate you bringing the, bringing the obscurity a little bit. Yeah, and then I get him top five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, my number five is Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Oh, see, that's that that's like number twelve or thirteen for me. I left it off, but anyway, uh, go ahead. I love that movie, and I probably need to see it again. But go ahead. I I think it's one of those that just has this grand scope yes. that you almost get lost in the world yourself. I think yes. it's so thematically deep. It explores so many things. I think uh, Denis Villeneuve does a great job both on the visual department as as well as um you know making a story with a ton of riches and i'm sure going back to it you'll just get more and more out of it uh i think ryan gosling does a great job he's great in it um it's almost a shame that like it's similar to like the lego movie but i think the way it plays around with kind of tropes and kind of this idea of the chosen one Mm -hmm. was very a very interesting kind of perspective on the genre of like the epic as well as being a great rendition of it yeah no that's a great pick um and i only saw that once i saw it in theaters which i'm glad i did because i and i remember one of the comments i made right after seeing it was there was at least like two or three scenes the one that comes to mind is when they're in that like casino with the holograms and that fight like there was oh, yeah. there was two or three things in that movie i'd never seen before in a movie and also when mm-hmm. they do that fight in that um the ship that's in the water and the tide keeps kind of like the mm-hmm. waves rolling over and just that sound combined with yeah. like, it was almost silent too. You know, it was just the sound of the waves, but it was like really ominous. And I remember thinking that right after I was like, man, there's things in this movie I'd never seen before. Yeah. The score is also amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think it's just one of the most like interesting, like sci-fi. Like I don't know if I'd want to say, Oh, I want to visit the futuristic world of Blade Runner 2049. Because it is a little little grungy. Yeah, just but, a little bit. But it definitely does envelop you and sell you on its world. And I think it's very interesting in that way. Well, and just to also to follow up a movie like Blade Runner, which is, you know, arguably one of the best science fiction movies ever made. Certainly one of the most like mm-hmm. noteworthy, you know. And I think that was like skepticism to do a sequel. But it doesn't even like play out as a sequel, even though it's certainly tied to the first one. But I thought he did a really good job navigating that where it it stands by itself for sure. But still, if you're a fan of the first one, like it still plays a huge part in it, obviously. And I thought that was a really impressive feat to pull off. Yeah, no, I, I think it's the best sequel of the decade. I like it. If, um, yeah, cause I, I, it doesn't rely too much on its source material. It exists as its own things, but it's still, it's building and expanding on that particular universe. Yeah, and the way they did tie back into it was always clever, but it was it wasn't like, mm-hmm. 
you know, too over the top or too crazy or it wasn't just like a straight, like we're doing this for fan service. It was, it was really well done. I like that. I'm kind of, I'm really mad that I didn't put this on my list now. Yeah. Well, Blade Runner 2049, my, on a good day, I think it's higher on my list. Yeah. Uh, the only problem is I saw, um, it competed with a uh, three billboards, great movie, phantom thread, great movie and good time. Mm-hmm. Great movie. And I unfortunately just couldn't put them on the list because I think Blade Runner is the best sci-fi film of the decade for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as for films I haven't seen, I put a uh, Call Me By Your Name, which is supposed to be like the anime film of the decade. Seems like a great like kind of mm-hmm. teen right. coming of age romance. Um, and I also love A Silent Voice, but I've seen it too recently to really consider it because gotcha. you have to have some staying so, power but yeah i think that's also a gorgeous movie no for sure and i think that's yeah it's like the reverse recency bias right <laughs> where it's like i've seen yeah. it too soon i need to let it let it breathe mm-hmm. a little bit yeah um three billboards you mentioned that that's one i struggled with i i left it off the list but it's right there because and i remember especially at the time like right after i saw it i thought it was like one of my favorite movies i've ever seen and it still holds up like i still love that movie and I think that mm-hmm. might have maybe made the list if I would have went back and rewatched that like in the last couple of weeks leading up to this list. But that one was uh, Frances McDormand, the best thing she's done since Fargo. It was just a killer role. And then Woody Harrelson, I'm a sucker for. And, and that's just like he's playing that role in his sleep, but it's a great role. I also have to fact check myself. Uh, Silent Voice in Your Name came out in 2016. I read Call Me By Your Name, which is the film I did not see in 2017. Mm. That interests me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say. All right. Hey, look at that. But on my the thoughts fly. still stand. Yes. I, and good thoughts. Valid thoughts. Okay. Number five for me is one, the first one I think you mentioned uh, from 2011 that you have not seen. Number five for me is Drive. Great pick. Yeah, and then Drive is, I'm like, yeah, I mean, thank you. But no, I, I, <laughs> Drive was another one where I just, uh, I didn't realize how much I liked it until I stood, when I was actually making this list, but I was like, this is a movie every time I see it on Netflix or if it's on like a movie channel, I always watch it. And so I always just realized that I rewatched this movie a lot. And I mean, talk about movies that you have like, haven't seen before you know this is unlike kind of anything it has that like 80s grand theft auto vice city feel to it yeah ryan gosling doesn't say any words in it pretty much you know and he's just awesome in it it's got the it's got that action car chase in the beginning which i'm a sucker for but it's also like this really gritty dark kind of a love story kind of a it, i don't know it's just got a lot of moving parts in it that uh, just fascinate me and i found that every time i was rewatching it i liked it yeah no you definitely described it as a fun movie i from what i know it's definitely stylish and sleek yeah that's the big um, thing it's very stylish mm-hmm. it sounds like a better version of probably the more popular film of baby driver yeah no baby i remember thinking that when i saw baby driver i was like this is kind of a more a fun popcorny version of Drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's in the intro, Ryan Gosling doesn't say anything in it, and it's just him as a getaway driver for these guys robbing a warehouse, I think it is. And it's got really cool music too. The soundtrack is unbelievable, mm-hmm. and it's all I got that it's like techno, new wavy synth yeah. shit. Like it's uh, <laughs> it's awesome, but 
the opening scene, you're hooked, and it's just a straight, just kind of a chase, and but in a different way. Like it's stylish, and it's not like over the top actiony. It's just really cool, suspenseful, and then, and kind of it's kind of dreamy too, kind of surreal in a lot of parts. But um, one that always sticks with me, and I find myself rewatching it a lot on Netflix. By the way, if you want to check it out, <laughs> definitely. I, I have to. Yeah. I know I do. I have to. All right, number four. Number four is my 2016 representative. And I feel like on a good day, I could have put like four or five films from 2016 as my top ten. Mm-hmm. Maybe even my top five. Um, but I went with La La Land. Oh, see, I've never... Shout out to La La Land. I haven't seen that yet. <laughs> and I haven't seen Moonlight oh. yet either. Yeah, 2016, I fucking failed. Oh, uh- on, on like a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> Arrival. Have Have you seen Arrival? Oh, Arrival, I really liked. Yeah, I liked Arrival right, with Amy yeah. Adams. Yeah, that was a really good one. That yes. reminded me of like what I wanted the movie Contact to be. Did you ever see Contact with Jodie Foster? Uh, no, but I heard the comparison before. Okay, yeah, because it is similar, but then it's like kind of a letdown, mm-hmm. or not kind of. It's a big letdown as far as I was concerned. But Arrival mm-hmm. was like what I wanted Contact. Uh, to be all right yeah um for other 2016 films manchester by the sea i didn't see that either that's the but casey affleck got the oscar for that right that he did yeah and that's a heavy one super heavy it looks uh, yeah no it's great it's a uh, great dramatic it's like uh 2016's version of like marriage story okay it's it's definitely a sad more like melancholic take uh, nocturnal animals i never saw that either is that that's with uh Jake Gyllenhaal and Amy Adams, right? Yes. Okay. I know the director. I think he also wrote it. It was a Ford. Oh, that's right. The the fashion dude. Yeah. Fashion. Yeah. John yeah, Ford. That's right. John Ford. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't see that either. Is it, so that's really good. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Nocturnal's Animals is great. Soundtrack's great. It's definitely like the weird film of that year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I yeah see, I failed. A lot of films in 2016. I failed on 2016. <laughs> So, La La Land, sell me on it. What's that? Um, La La Land is the most vibrant use of color out of any movie in the decade, and I just love it for it. It's got so much fun energy. It is most definitely the revival of the musical, which I think we're starting to see um, trying to be replicated with, like, The Greatest Showman Mm -hmm. and Dr. Doolittle and, like, whatever. Um, (laughs) It is just a great tale about trying to achieve your dreams i think it's got a fun like little jazz element um emma stone ryan gosling have great chemistry as yeah they've been in other films prior crazy stupid love mm-hmm. yeah i love that movie <laughs> yeah la la land is the film equivalent of just looking up and gazing at the stars it's just well, that's well it's dreamlike in like the best way so I, I don't know. I love La La Land for whatever reason, but I think it's great. No, that's a good pick. And I think this is just my, um, probably a fault of mine, but I'm not, I just can't get into musicals. And it's more of like, I get like extreme, like secondhand embarrassment when people start breaking out into song in the middle of a movie. <laughs> so I, get oh, all, I think that's fair. So I get all uncomfortable and I'm like, why are they just, why are they singing all of a sudden? And so I can never just get past that. So it's really hard for me to enjoy a musical. Yeah. And so that's just like, like I said, just a fault of mine, but, um, it's hard for me to get into music. No, I don't, 
I don't blame you because there's that, like that stigma of like the over like outroverted like theater kids, right. and then you have like that weird NBC show that's coming out where she imagines like musicals, and it's really sort of like cringy and like oh, yeah. weird. I'd be sweating watching that whole thing. I'd like break out into hives and stuff. It's like uh, like Christmas carolers if they come to your door and start singing. <laughs> like I can't do that. I just it's and I I mean I enjoy music. I enjoy like concerts and shit, but stuff oh, yeah. like that just makes me so uncomfortable. So sorry La La Land, but I don't know if I'll ever see it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it's one of the better versions um in terms of that because I I think besides for the opening most of them aren't that reality breaking okay it's at least either in terms of like internal fantasy or them being like actually at stage or in their house like performing or like playing the piano i can i can probably i could probably deal with that then it's a little more seamless yeah when you said yeah Mm -hmm. i like how you said that like yeah when it breaks reality so like overtly that's when it's just like jarring for me Mm mm-hmm and it also beat Arrival, which is a great film because I already decided Blade Runner was going to be on the list and mm. having two uh, sci-fi films back-to-back just didn't feel right. Yeah, no, I get that. But Arrival was, I forgot about Arrival. I don't even think I put that in my original uh, brainstorm. But yeah, I love that movie. All right, are you ready for my number four? I'm ready for your number four. John motherfucking Wick. John Wick. <laughs> From yes. 2014. And this mm-hmm. one, and I mean, I guess I, you could lump the whole trilogy in there, but this is back to the um, what I said about what we do in the shadows as far as just like, and I think a lot of people experience John Wick this way where it was just such a sleeper. I remember I was like, I like Keanu Reeves, and he was kind of not back on his comeback shit yet, even though you could argue he's come back a couple times. But I remember just like, oh, I thought it was going to be like a B movie, which it kind of is, I guess. But I was like, all right, Keanu, I'll watch this. He's back into an action movie. And then just from start to finish, I'm all in on it. You know, it's just him Mm -hmm. being a badass. It's tongue-in-cheek kind of funny, and he's like it's meta in the sense that he's like aware that Keanu is making a comeback into action movies. Like he even has that great line where like, I'd say I'm back, you know, and it's, <laughs> I can't get enough <laughs> of it. But then that whole world. And I think the sequels make it the first one actually better. Cause when you realize how big this world gets, it's such a over the top weird world where everybody's an assassin. Um, but I just loved the mythology that came with it. And so especially going back to revisit the first one and after watching the, 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 the two that followed, I always wanted to go keep going back to the first one. I was like, man, what a just gem of a, of a sleeper movie, you know, just it's just action movie. And I'm partial to action movies, I suppose. But it was just everything I wanted. Uh, you can turn your turn your mind off and just watch Keanu kick ass, you know. And to me, I, ha- I was like, I have to put this in my top five. And so there's John Wick at number four. Yeah, um, I can't speak much because I don't think I've seen John Wick from start to finish ever. Oh, wow, do you not like it? Uh, um, no, I just don't think I've had the chance. I think I've only seen it on, like, FX or, like, okay. and playing on TV, and I'll stop, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, and then I'll see him kill, like, 20 guys in, like, five minutes, and then I'll go, like, uh, work on something else. Well, yeah, and that's just... Which a... is really strange. <laughs> the thing I, is, though, is I, you're I... not missing much if you do, like, get up and go do something and come back. Like, mm-hmm. you're not in there for the story. It's, it's a simple one. And like I said, the mythology gets really big as far as the world, but 
you know, it's like his dog gets killed, he loses his uh, wife, and then he just goes and kicks ass, and that's pretty much all it is, but it's just awesome. Definitely. I love I love the world building that they did with that, and like mm-hmm. how it is, like its own aesthetic. It's, it's very weird, because I have seen a lot of action films, if the conceit of your movie is it's Liam Neeson or Denzel Washington with a gun. <laughs> I've probably seen it. Hey but man, that's all, like, that's all I need to put on a poster and I'm in. <laughs> for some reason that one eluded me, but I don't know. Maybe I'll get around to it for a chance. Maybe I'll watch the whole trilogy in yeah. one go. Yeah. That's have, what I did after all three of them came out and the sequels mm-hmm. I love too. They're great, but nothing is like that first one. And, and it's what sets the first one apart is that that surprise factor and just Keanu being back to doing cool Keanu shit. Yeah, no, definitely. And that's another 2014 movie. I'm just I'm padding my list with 2014. All right. Hit oh, me. Yeah. Hit, Two thousand- yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say 2014 is a great year. It is. But it does not segue into my next pick because I'm going to 2013. Nice. And uh, my third movie is Her. Ooh, see, that was that one I debated about putting in my top 10. Go for it. Tell me about her. What's up? Um, her is a movie that I guess six years ago I was much more immature. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was going into it to laugh at it because mm. the premise is so absurd of a man falling in love with his Amazon Alexa or his Siri. <laughs> it's not so too I'm far like, fetched gonna- now, is it? <laughs> Oh, no. I said, this is going to be a great unintentional comedy. Right. And then it is just one of the most smartly done, sophisticated dramas of the decade. And I give it a lot of credit for that. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix gives a a very, uh, it gives a good performance. It's like, um, not very exuberant. It's subtle. Yeah, it's subtle for sure. Yeah, it's good. Mm -hmm. I I think, it's just a different feeling movie, uh, especially compared to a lot of the other choices in my list. It's definitely more a somber, like calm, yeah. calming movie. It's it's almost the equivalent of uh, like lo-fi music. Ooh, I like it's that. Like the lo-fi music movie. If you just want to yeah. listen, ha- be chill, get in tune with your feelings, watch Jakeem Phoenix go through a little emotional journey. Mm-hmm. I think it's great for that. That's really it's definitely well. a different flavor to my list. So that's why. That's it's a, yeah. That's really well said the lo-fi. Cause I was just about to comment on the whole like color palette of the movie mm-hmm. is very relaxing and calming, which I think works well in juxtaposition to like, cause it is, it's a heavier story, you know, cause it's this guy that's, he kind of goes down this, shitty shitty little journey because i mean one you're in in love with a computer but then when he you know finds out like it's heartbreaking you know it's a heartbreak kind of movie but i think that is with it's still very like kind of a calming and i have revisited that movie a couple times and it was easy to watch because i think i was always like apprehensive uh going like oh man this is one of those heavier movies and then i'd watch i was like oh no this is kind of soothing It, it was almost comforting in a way yeah definitely and especially compared to the other like 2013 films I had, where I had Prisoners, which mm, I think is great. I love Prisoners. Mm, it it hurt me to to not have it on the list. I know, me too, me too. Because that was like I love Paul Dano, and I mean everybody yeah. in that movie is just they're they're mm-hmm. all throwing, 
you know, they're all they're all just like giving it their all in that movie. Oh yeah, just going one hundred and ten percent in it, and it's just like holy shit. These actors are just trying to one up each other, and it's like <laughs> it's it's a great great movie. Yeah, it's very brutal and kind of like oh yeah, guttural in a sense. Yeah, uh, under the skin mm. also hurt. Not to put that one. That's on. a really good. Two thousand thirteen was a good year. Yes, um, enemy. I never saw enemy. That's with Jake Gyllenhaal too, isn't it? Yes. Is that the uh, box? Jill- is that the boxing one? Um, no, it's a Denis Villeneuve film. Okay. It's about a Jake Gyllenhaal is like a college professor, and then somehow through like online or through a movie he's watching, he finds a man who looks exactly like him. Ooh. It's more of like this concept of like the doppelganger and nice. Uh, goes through like an interesting sort of like mystery thriller that way. What's the boxing one I'm thinking of? Isn't there a one-word movie where he's a boxer in it? Southpaw? Oh, yeah, Southpaw. Not even close. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's one of the... There's, like, The Fighter. And right. like, the Mark Wahlberg fighting movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I can see what you mean. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> All right. What, what about the movie you did not see in 2013? I did not see. Um, I don't know a lot about it. I said Coda. Oh okay, yeah, I didn't even I haven't even heard of that. Which is it's I think it's more of an experimental one. Uh trying to see if I can pull up anything about it. Um but yeah, the poster seems interesting. It's definitely one of those more like artsy, if not like an art house film. But uh definitely had an interesting premise. Yeah, I'm a sucker for good Sorry. movie poster too. Mm-hmm. All right, I, I pulled up uh, according to Letterbox, the synopsis, uh, the logline is: A lost soul stumbles drunken through the city mm. in a park. Death finds him and shows him many things. That is very vague, but it has caught my attention. Yeah, to be something I want to see. I was gonna say I want to watch that too. Now, who's in that? Um, Joseph uh, Dermody, Orla Fitzgerald, Brian Gleason, Donnie Ryan. Okay. The, huge, like, the, the heavyweights, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're down to the top three. We're down to the top three. All right, this one, this one is one of my favorite comedies ever, and I think you led off with that you think is the best comedy of the decade. <laughs> this is what I think the best comedy of the decade is, and it's 2011's Bridesmaids. Oh, okay. With Kristen Wiig and then who we did mm-hmm. not know at the time, Melissa McCarthy, who just fucking, it's her movie. She steals the whole movie, and if anything, I just rewatch does, yeah. it for that. But that was another one where um, I didn't really know what to expect going into it. There wasn't too much, or at least I didn't hear too much buzz about it before watching it. But I remember sitting down, and I don't think you knew what you were getting into as far as how raunchy it was and how, like, just kind of slapsticky it could be but it was also you know it's it's got a good little heartwarming story too but um one of the few movies uh watching by myself that i laughed out loud a lot too and maybe my immature humor but i was partial to the the bathroom scene when they're shitting in the sink and so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, i was like that's one of the funniest things i've ever seen so when i was going through this list i i threw bridesmaids in there pretty early and i knew it was going to go close to the top and i was for my other comedy represent representative got to go with bridesmaids laugh out loud funny a big reason is cuz of melissa mccarthy like i was just one of the funnier mm-hmm. performances i'd ever seen 
yeah, I, I think it's one of the best attempts at like lowbrow humor. I, it's probably one of the most underrated films oh, yeah. of the decade. I think so too. It's, it's a good laugh, good ensemble. I have no qualms with it awesome. being on your list. <laughs> well, thank you. Approval from K at the movies. All right, what do you got? We're I'm now on number two. Number two. Very tough to not have this number one. Had to compete with a very rigorous uh, 2014 selection. Okay. I went with uh, my number two movie is Gone Girl. Oh, yeah. I like it. That one I was, I almost put in the top 10 as well. I think it's one of the best suspense thrillers of the decade. I think it's one of Fincher's greatest work. I think how it uses both perspectives of the character. It's got a very sleek look to it. Maybe mm-hmm. one of the like sleeker looking films of the decade. Um, and it definitely goes in some unexpected directions. It's got dark, like some dark content without being too um, hard to watch. Where like Prisoners is more guttural. I yeah. think Gone Girl is almost like this sleek. It feels like the novel it was based off of. It just feels like you're reading a really good book and Gone Girl is able to maximize the experience through cinema. Yeah, I think Fincher has a knack for that too, for making you like, uh, for lack of a better way to say it, but like like dark or hard material makes it kind of mm-hmm. easier to to watch or to deal with. Because I mean, that is, it's a pretty fucked up story for sure. But it's, mm-hmm. uh, I've watched it certainly like at least I think five times. That's, I mean, I love that movie. And that's a really good uh, Ben Affleck role, which I I'm always kind of partial to Ben Affleck. I like I like him as an actor, but and he he gets a lot of shit. But I think he's good in it. I think uh, Rosamund Pike is just like scary in the best way possible. Oh, yeah. She's great in that mm-hmm. movie. You know, perfect perfect casting. I'm not sure if too many people could have done it the way she did. Like it was super convincing, and how you said how it does both sides. I remember in that movie when it flips to her point of view, you're like, oh shit, and you're along for a ride and it turns into a whole other movie because I didn't read the book before. So I was totally just taken along for it. Yeah, no. And also like some of the supporting characters like uh, Neil Patrick Harris and, uh, Oh yeah. He's awesome in it. Uh, Tyler Perry also has another great performance. Like, yeah. As the detective. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best out of everyone in that movie. Yeah, he does. That's a really good pick. I like it. Uh, other notable 2014 films, uh, Birdman. Mm hmm. Uh, Nightcrawler. Ooh, Nightcrawler was really good. Uh, Still Alice. Did not see that. Oh, Still Alice is great. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I need to. It's great. It's definitely a sad movie, though, so... Yeah, I gotta be in the mood. Gotta gotta be in that mood. mood. Yeah. The sad dementia movie, if that's all you need. Oh, man, yeah. (laughs) As we both Uh, laugh at it. No, I didn't see. Yeah, well, because it makes you uncomfortable with how sad it is. Right. Um... Movie I didn't see when Marnie was there it seemed I had, interesting. Yeah, I didn't see that either. I don't even think I've heard of that. What's it called? Yeah. Uh, when Marnie was there. Oh, okay. It's an anime. It might be Ghibli. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm disappointed you didn't shout out John Wick, but I'll forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hadn't seen it, but I can't shout it out. I haven't <clears throat> seen it all the way through. <laughs> No, it's I, it's a great action film. It I, is. It is for sure for what it is. All right. Well, on uh, the stick with David Fincher, my number two movie, 2010, the beginning of the decade. 
I was debating on putting this number one, but it's the social network, which you have not seen yet. Right. Yeah. And this movie, it is, it's a great, great movie. I just watched this, um, a couple nights ago, I already had it at number two. So, you know, it didn't matter about watching it again, but I just wanted to be able to refresh it as far as like talking about it. Um, but I think what's so interesting about it is when you first see it in 2010, it's just a really good entertaining movie. It's slick. It's Aaron Sorkin. So the dialogue is just like whip smart, whip fast. And uh, the performances are awesome. Jesse Eisenberg makes Zuckerberg kind of likable in a weird way, even though his character is <laughs> shitty in it too. You don't like him, but he gives it this another layer where you're like an endearing kind of layer. But then I thought what was so cool about the movie, I just think it's aged incredibly well. And it's almost became like prophetic, you know, because now how we see what social media is, specifically Facebook, what's happened with that it's taken on this whole new kind of context and not too many movies I think can do that, especially when you're dealing with social media, something that changes so rapidly, it could have went the other direction. You know, it could have been way off as far as some of the themes it deals with, but I think it only got more spot on. And I think that's what makes the movie hold up so well. And so I like it one just by itself. It's just an entertaining story. I love dialogue obviously with Tarantino, but it's Aaron Sorkin, you know, one of the grandmasters at it. And the opening scene is one of the best opening scenes, I think, of the decade. And it's just, uh, it's a breakup. And you get to experience their whole relationship in like two minutes. And just like, holy shit, you know? And it and it's from there on, it's the whole style of the movie. Uh, Trent Reznor does the score. And him and David Fincher, I think, is a really interesting combo. It has the David Fincher look, you know, the color palettes, like the kind of the same as Gone Girl, too. It's more like that way as opposed to like seven or fight club um, but it's just it's mm-hmm. you got the heavyweights behind it you know fincher Reznor, sorkin um jesse eisenberg gives a hell of a performance in it and uh justin timberlake gives a he plays the the founder of napster and he does a really good job he's fun and then andrew garfield has a really big supporting role and he's really good in it so i think just the the cast the dialogue uh, the pacing of it it's a fast movie it goes really fast and then how it's held up being at the beginning of the decade watching it in 2019 it's taken on a whole new kind of meaning i think so that one number two was very close to number one yeah no it's superb and like mood lighting it definitely sets this atmosphere to it mm-hmm. yeah it's incredible i think that film was from the beginning i know those casting choices of like andrew garfield yeah but, like who knew like i guess everyone kind of knew facebook would be a huge thing yeah but, it's, but to sort of right. tell its story like at that time was bold. yeah it's pretty incredible for sure yeah like yeah bold is the uh, is the is the right word because like i said it could have mm-hmm. easily just went the other way and it could have been a huge swing and a miss you know i mean it's one thing to retell this dude's story about like how facebook was founded but then kind of it's more foreshadowing elements is what was really impressive you know Mm-hmm. All right. I think I'm ready for your number one. My number one. I'm sorry I could not give you more talking oh, about the, the social network. That's fine. I think I rambled all of that off in one breath. So. <laughs> I think you did such a good job. I had nothing more to <laughs> I wouldn't have anything more to add. I yeah, think it was great. There you go. Um, my number one movie 
which I know is number one because how much it pisses me off at the other 2015 movies don't get to be on the list okay. because I love this movie too much. All right. And I am really rewarding people who paid attention to the conversation earlier because number one is The Revenant. Yeah, I, it, I, it's funny. I was like, that's going to definitely be high on this list. The Revenant. I think it has one of the most haunting scores ever. The fact that it couldn't be nominated for an Oscar because two people worked on it is a little silly. Um, one of the best directing works, I think Leonardo DiCaprio is phenomenal in it. Oh, yeah. I give him a lot of credit for speaking another language, um, eating raw fish, which was a little unnecessary, <laughs> but whatever works for him. And I think so much of his performance, um, I think what you said with the social network, you love dialogue, mm-hmm. but he has to give this performance almost having no dialogue. Right. And it's all physical and it's all like facial and really learning to appreciate that. And, you know, as as an Arizona person, getting to see snow and making it look sure. as, as beautiful as it does in that movie, it's just something special. Almost every scene in that movie is just a, a desktop backdrop or a poster on the wall or a nice painting waiting to happen. And then with Leo, how you were saying, too, with it was really cool to see someone like him do such a physical role. Cause I think the movie right before that, that he does is Wolf of wall street, you know, in 2013 does that. Mm-hmm. And that's like a very over the top flamboyant. <laughs> role oh, yeah. where he's, you know, he's talking the whole time. So I think it was a way we saw Leonardo DiCaprio in a way we never seen him before. And in this gritty, very physical gets his ass kicked the whole movie. Um, I would argue it's Tom Hardy's movie, though. I think he steals that movie or gets very close oh, to it. Oh, he does a great job. Yeah, he's I, great. I love him in that. And the thing about Tom Hardy is I never know it's him until after the fact because he's just always different. Mm-hmm. He's so different in every movie he does. But um, I really liked him in that movie, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know Tom Hardy plays a, like a ruthless villain. Mm-hmm. And just... But one where you sort of understand his motivation because right. it is about survival and his is more he's willing to make choices and basically sacrifice other as pawns to get ahead himself and that's that's sort of an interesting dynamic that he's struggling in the same way DiCaprio's character but he's not morally the same and it's interesting to see them struggle it is yeah and I'm just I'm just now thinking of that uh that scene where he's telling him to blink or whatever I can't remember the whole scene, but I just stick it out to my head. And I remember that was such an yeah. intense, the whole movie is, but that scene was super intense where it was just like, he's just trying to hold his eyes open and you can like feel it <laughs> when you're watching it. You're like, oh my God. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's a movie that's very unique and uh, certainly a, an incredible feat in filmmaking. I respect that as the number one pick. All right. Uh, before we get to your number one, can I just shout out some other 2015 movies? Please. That unfortunately could not be on my list. Please do. Um, the film I have not seen, but I guess I I do respect for some of the the interest it sparked is uh, the Witch. It seems like a very interesting horror. It definitely immerses you in in the setting, mm-hmm. and it, it seems like it's one of those like jump scare like horror, big dramatic like uh, or- orchestral string stings. But it, it definitely seems like it's it's doing something different as well. Yeah, and it's creepy too. Like it's I think that mm-hmm. outtakes the jumps, you know, like after a minute you're like it's just got this 
very creepy feeling the whole way through it. And I always think that's scarier. Like, I think jump scares are fun, and I love watching those yeah. kind of movies. I love horror movies, too. They're fun. Um, but this one has this one gets to me more because it's more psychological and it's just that that uh, relentless kind of steady creep you know that really i think gets to you mm-hmm. uh, my indie darling uh me and earl and the dying girl i never saw that i, I heard that's really good no nah, it's really good it's it's really a feel-good story um a lot of young actors who give for, uh, phenomenal performances and it's just kind of it's a fun tale and it's just it's like the prototypical indie movie of the decade and i you know it's it's a feel good it's a nice experience i love it all right and my my final film that i i just want to recommend that almost can beat the revenant Ooh. is anomalisa okay i have not seen that it's a Charlie Kaufman film. Oh yeah, it I love Charlie a Kaufman. Stop motion animated film. Mm. Um, about a man who I don't know if it's the intention or just like um, the subtext of the film, but who suffers from I believe it's called the Fergoli effect. Okay, which is where you like imagine everyone having the same voice. So it is almost this like desolate narrative of being in a world and seeing no one special, everyone the same, and sort of being isolated in your own bubble. And then it's also sort of this romance story of him finally hearing someone else's voice and being allured to that person. And it goes into a lot of like uh, thematics on like romance and sort of like uh, a little bit of like i guess depression or like mm-hmm. more melancholic it's it's very interesting it's a very unique film and it definitely deserves a lot of credit so if anyone would like to go watch that i highly recommend yeah i'm sold too i love charlie kaufman awesome well well done your list is a strong one sir all right my i like to think there's something there for everyone yeah, <laughs> there definitely is yeah and i like how you did it too every that's not hard to do or i mean that's not easy to do each year, you got a representative, got your runners up for those mm-hmm. rep, for those years. Uh, well done, solid list. Thank you. Thank All right, you. my number Sorry. one, and this was because I I didn't have a movie that has stuck with me in quite some time like this one did, uh, especially the decade. I had to put Get Out, Jordan Peele's Get Out, as number one from 2017. Have you seen that? I have seen Get Out. Okay. <laughs> and I'm glad because I didn't talk about Get Out, but Get Out is really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those ones. I was I was going back and forth, but uh, the thing with Get Out, it was mainly how it just stuck with me. Um, it was a really cool take on it, on the horror, I guess, genre. It's satirical, I guess, in a sense, but I just thought mm-hmm. it was so daring and ballsy to have. It was such a blatant message that was so well disguised in the beginning. And then at the end, you're just like, wait, holy shit. And it was what it, what it made you think about with yourself and yourself in the world, your place in the world. And maybe, you know, like I kept, I think it was like a week or two later, I would see things like in the media or on TV or in movies. And I was like, Oh shit, that's what he's talking about in get out, you know? And so it was just that the message was just like crazy of just this kind of, I guess like it was just like the whole 
uh, what's it, Bradley Whitford when he was like, yeah, I voted for Obama three times, mm-hmm. you know, but then he's like this horrible racist person. I think it was just really held, like it forced you to deal with this, like, no, the worst kind of racism is this, this shit that's like hidden and where people don't think they are. They think they're just doing it. It's like a way of life. And I thought that was just like blew my hair back and was pretty crazy. And then aside from just the message, it was like the, I think Allison Williams was one of the best like villains in a movie in a long time. Like I thought that was just like, I didn't see that coming. Um, The twist Mm -hmm. at the end didn't see coming. When you see that, you're like, oh my God, she's been doing this to dudes for a minute. Uh, Catherine Keener and Bradley Whitford as the parents, they're both superb performances like all around the board, I thought it was well acted. But the reason I put it one was just because I didn't have a movie stick with me like Get Out did in quite some time. And like I said, it wasn't even just days later, but it was like a couple weeks later of just this like very, I mean, I don't want to say simple to cheapen the message, but it was just very blatant and mm-hmm. something that you think that would be obvious to you. But for whatever reason, it was like after it was presented in that movie, it was like, whoa. And I just started rethinking a lot of things because of it. And I thought that's a pretty impressive feat, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. I Get Out has already kind of established its iconography mm. that I definitely think it's not just, it's definitely going to represent this decade and it's it's going to be referenced in ways to come. Right. I, I feel like the whole hypnotism scene and him oh, sinking man. into the couch, it's, it's almost going to have a legacy of like, silence of the lamb or like oh, a clockwork yeah. orange yeah. or like those characters or certain scenes are, are just going to be referenced or influenced or in like embedded in culture for the rest of time. Uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely wild in some ways, but I think almost not a single line is like wasted in that movie. Yeah. It's really well, damningly clever. Yeah. It's very, very clever. Yeah. Like I said, it's like, mm-hmm. it's a blatant message, but it's like disguised and packaged so cleverly that mm-hmm. I think that's what makes it, I guess maybe maybe it's not even well it is blatant but I think that's what makes it pop so much at the end because you're just like holy you just do not see it coming and it's a really fun movie to rewatch because you it tells you everything right at the beginning you just do not see it coming you know so it's like it was like kind of how like Sixth Sense was in that way you know as soon as it got done you're like holy fuck I gotta go I gotta watch that yeah. again and it's like it gives it mm-hmm. to you in the very very beginning so it's a very fun movie to revisit because you get so much more out of it, you know, but it was just, I thought it was incredible. And especially with Jordan Peele, it was like way to throw your hat in the ring. I mean, he did Keanu before that, which I think is kind of an underrated movie. (laughs) Like it's stupid, but I laughed at it. I I laughed. I thought it was funny, but that's, that's what I'm expecting from Jordan Peele. You know, not this very grand, clever, like social commentary slash horror movie, slash thriller slash, you know it was like that was a pretty impressive i guess i don't know if you can call it a debut but he certainly solidified himself as a very talented voice of our generation filmmaker that i don't think anybody was expecting definitely and you got into a little bit i think one of the great things about get out is how cohesive it is mm-hmm. just everything seems to work and everything seems to build and make the film stronger right and maybe one of my most controversial opinions of the decade is <laughs> I think you can definitely see a disparage between get out and us. Uh, where yeah. I think it gets a little sloppy and it, it has some problems. Yeah. See it's with, still enjoyable in some ways. But yeah. 
it has problems in my my opinion. I remember I was kind of let down by us, and I think that's. I mean, I okay. think a lot of that is just because of what came before it. You know, Get Out was incredible, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you could. I think it's just an incredible feat what he did. So I don't know if anybody could live up to that. But us was like, you know, it was it was all right. Um, it had another cool, yeah. like, good message, solid message, I guess. But it was. And there was like mm-hmm. some good like throwback like horror moments, you know, like when they're in the lake and he keep like he falls in the lake and the ropes going around. Like there was some good like just classic horror things in there. But uh, overall as a movie, I was just was I remember feeling let down. I haven't watched it again. You know, I went opening day, of course, cuz I was like, fuck, Jordan Peele, another movie. And I'm still going to probably do that with you know, cuz I think he's that talented, but uh yeah, oh, yeah. I, think that, I think that's well said when you compare it to Get Out it's certainly sloppier and get out is like a very well-constructed movie. Yeah. I think get out has more of like a solid universe. Mm-hmm. Like I think in get out works as almost sort of like a twilight zone episode where, yeah. it's, you know, you're veering into some weird insane thing where us kind of has some world building and then it eventually claps on itself because the more you think about it, the more illogical and, too much it tries to explain away in ways that don't make sense yeah once it started explaining stuff that's when i thought the movie started falling you're like wait what like why didn't like why'd they have to switch you know what i mean like they didn't even have to do that like would they switch from the underground you know to to the the real life person or whatever i was just like this is this is getting kind of silly and it was just kind of hard to wrap (laughs) your head around and didn't even seem necessary really yeah yeah so yeah we both agree us is not in the top 10 of the decade no, <laughs> not on my list. Would you? How? Would not you, as good as Love on a Leash. Yeah. <laughs> That's the theme of this conversation. I, I'm excited to watch that. I hope I like it. And I'd be, I'll definitely at least drop you a line and be like, "Hey, I watched this." <laughs> uh, it's it's something. It's yeah. all I can. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm intrigued, man. I like I like movies that are about something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, man, this has been this was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's I'm what sorry, I, but I, I think. Oh no, I was expecting I think it was a this. Great conversation. Yeah, I was expecting this. This is what I was looking forward to. I was like, I get to talk about movies, mm-hmm. and from looking at your blog, I was like, this dude knows his shit. So I've learned a lot, more or less. But yeah, I think you, I think you were really good at uh, articulating your your critiques on movies or your, just your feelings about them. I guess. So that mm-hmm. was cool, and I'm glad we didn't have. I don't think we had anything similar. Did we even? Ha- I'll have to go back and listen. I wasn't writing them down, but. We talked about some of the yeah, same no. movies, but I, I like that too. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I definitely appreciated you filling in the gaps because there are great films like Get Out that I just didn't because I was trying to you know diversify my list and also have like my own like personal opinion mm-hmm. of like shine through and have like a bunch of genres. So hopefully anyone listening can at least see one film that they're now curious about or that they like or they feel oh, yeah. however they feel. You did that with, films. Yeah, you did that with every entry, I think, at least for me. Like every every year mm-hmm. and every entry, it was like, okay, I added one or two movies I got to see or made me think about movies that I didn't even think about for this list. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun. I finally got to cross up being on a podcast off the bucket list. There you so go. This was incredible. You betcha. All right. Have a good one, man. Thanks. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Transition. How about that? 20 different movies, two top 10 lists, the best movies of the decade, according to us, or at least our favorites. I loved how he did his, 
how it was, you know, he represented each year, whereas I had like, you know, a million from 2014. What up, John Wick? And that's probably, you know, let's be real. That's probably my favorite movie of the decade, if not ever. Also, new drinking game. Uh, take a shot of coffee, of course. I don't do that drinking shit no more. Um, but, I mean, you, you, of course you can. So, whatever you want to take a shot of. But, anyway, new drinking game. Go back and listen to this. And each time I say incredible, great, super, or awesome, uh, go ahead and take a shot and you'll be fucked up or really hyper. Uh, he obviously talks a lot better about film. Maybe just in general, as you <laughs> as I struggle through this outro, uh, but yeah, and that's you can see that in writing on his blog, kathemovies.wordpress.com. Really good conversation with them. I really enjoyed talking about movies. Shout out to Love on a Leash, and uh, when I thanked him afterwards via email, I threw out the offer to maybe do another conversation with him about. Uh, a movie and I think that movie should be love on a leash so I'm gonna watch that and sometime down the road a special edition a repeat of K at the movies we'll we'll uh, tear that movie apart in a good way you know we'll move through it but we'll spend like an hour talking about that as opposed to 10 different movies if he's down I'm I'm saying this like it's already a done deal but yeah thanks again K that was a great talk it was fun to sit down and talk about movies man it's one of my first and great loves film i appreciate it and if you do check his shit out it's really really good hope you enjoyed our conversation and as always i hope all is well with you as well fuck man i need to slow down on the coffee this morning (laughs) all right anyway peace